Welcome to this episode of the History Broadcast. Today we will be speaking about the Great Mongol Empire, led by Genghis Khan. It reached from the Far East Mongolian steppes through almost into Japan, and it stretched as far west into Russia and entering even into Europe for a time. We will speak about the rise of the great Emperor Genghis Khan and the slow demise into what is now known as the Golden Horde that it will become. We would see its religion and its acceptance of other cultures, its great religion of Tangriism, allowing anyone to be accepted, their ability to take and learn from other cultures, but inability to do so themselves. There were great conquerors, pillagers, and they made their own people very, very happy. The area was very mountainous. The ground was quite nice for farming. You had long stretches of almost barren lands, and then you hit it. You hit the grasslands and the mountains above, reaching towards the skies. You had everything you wanted. This world was ruled by the Khans. The Khans were the leaders of every little area of the steppe. Mongolia did not start as one unified empire or even a nation. They started off as tons of little bickering nomadic tribes, waiting, waiting for the right ruler to join and And the great ruler to rule over all of this Mongolian empire, stretching so much of the world over, would not be born of a royal family or even of great heroes. He was born merely a hunter, a poor one at that, born through a poor family, a family that had hard times even getting a simple meal for itself. But this child would slowly rise, and as I am here to show you, this was his birthplace. This is Delun Bulldog. There is a great little stone here marking where his birth was, and the stretch around it, there are the trees, the amazing flatlands, and the mountains in the distance of Mongolia. He truly felt at home in places like these. He truly felt at home in the mountains. This Genghis Khan, or as he was born, Temujin Khan, would be forced to kill his brother in order to get through to his family. Later on, he would have a best friend. He would become powerful through his ideas of strategy and warfare. Him and his friend would rise, and he would gain another friend, an elder. The elder was the only reason he made it this far. But Temujin had one problem. When he made it to the top, Nobody liked him being there. He was a nobody, he was a hunter, and he certainly didn't like the rich. So, in all of their attempts 
All of the tribes attempted to kill Genghis Khan, except for his own, and his own through retreats and losses, slowly battling, eventually won over Mongolia and won over the people of Mongolia through his ideas of the rich should not be rich. The conflict comes from the rich. Why must we bow down to those who are truly not deserving of anything? And through all of this, he always returns to the mountains in which he was born, to stare, to relax, to see how peaceful truly life was, to see how peaceful things could be if he managed to accomplish his dream. He was not going to be a conqueror to kill. He was a conqueror with a very good goal. The goal of helping everybody. The next place we're going on our great tour of the Mongol Empire is to Diaoyu Castle. This is a castle located in northern China. Genghis Khan realized that in order to achieve his dream, he was going to have to take more than just the Mongol steps. That he was going to have to take more land. He looked to his south and saw a weak Chinese nation, the Tangut. The Tangut did not have much of an army, but they had two things going for them. They had very good defensive terrain, and they had a castle. Castles at the time were nearly unsiegeable. You could have advanced siege weaponry, but in the terrain around the castle, that was nearly impossible. But the Mongols attacked anyway, showing their superiority. In the initial fights they've had, they showed advanced battle tactics. That there wasn't one general. They realized that the weakness with having one general was if they died, you lost order. The Mongols, every group of soldiers was put into a larger group, and a larger group, and a larger group. Each one of these groups had their own leader. So, if one general had fallen in battle, you had many more to replace them. These battle tactics allowed very fast and swift organized strikes on any Tangut armies defending. Tangut was forced to flee into the castle, where Genghis Khan had to use something new. He had to attempt to siege a castle. Now, Castles were not easy to siege, basically impossible to siege for one like Genghis Khan, but he had a great plan. His great new idea was to flood a river. There was a river running near the castle, so he decided to divert the river into flowing into the castle and town. Now, ultimately, it backfired and hit his entire army. His army was fine, and they were covered. The river wasn't as devastating as they thought. 
So the new tactic was to train his troops, doing slow attacks on smaller forts to figure out how sieges work, to figure out how raiding works, and eventually figuring out how to truly pillage a fort or a castle when he eventually has to go back to Diaoyu Castle, he uses his strategy. He starves the enemies out and waits for his opening. When the opening comes for the defenders to fight, he rushes in, raids the castle, flooding it with his cavalry and infantry. They go in, they pillage all of the supplies they have left, which was very little food due to being sieged out. The silk, the gold, all the precious metals and materials. Before Genghis Khan had arrived, most soldiers would give these materials, the better ones, to their generals and leaders in order to get a better position in the army, in order to be better soldiers. But Genghis Khan had it different. Diaoyu Castle marks an area where Genghis Khan decided he was going to conquer, and he was going to force people to share. All of the loot taken from the city was to be split individually by family, and the men after the raids were to go back home and to work with their wives and family. The conquered civilians were allowed to stay so long as they agreed to join. Males over specific heights were killed, but other than that, the new civilization that joined the Mongol Empire was happy with their culture being accepted and alive. The next area we head to on our great tour of the Mongol Empire is Novgorod Castle. In between our last area, the Diaoyu Castle, and now, the Mongols have taken over all of China. They have extended to the west, stretching in and threatening the Europeans. Novgorod Castle is the farthest he made it. I mean, truly the farthest he made it. He was stopped in Novgorod Castle by a coalition, a large group of Europeans, who saw him as a threat. Genghis Khan, not the Empire, as the Empire would let them keep their cultures and keep them living. But Genghis Khan did one thing at the time that was unacceptable. And this is why they had to stop him. Genghis Khan killed royals. When Genghis Khan took a place over, instead of finding the royal and sending them to a new lands for exile, or just merely asking for a ransom, Genghis Khan was raised as a poor child in a warring area. He knew that if he let the rich people survive, more conflict would be caused because all the conflicts were caused by the people in power, such as himself. So, when he started going into Europe 
and executing royals and kings. Many Europeans, especially the Hungarians, got frightened. They planned their defensives to fight back the Mongols. But the Mongols kept pushing for very long times due to their tactics. The Europeans had never seen people with such cowardly tactics as charging into battle right as they're about to hit the infantry, turning around. And then the next one comes up and shoots their arrows, and then they run away. Genghis Khan's tactics were simply fire and run and repeat. If you do not engage the enemy, they cannot engage you. But with the massive amounts, Mongols, that was still not enough. The Europeans, as presented through all of history, were quite powerful. Groups of people that, if united, you will not conquer. They managed to slowly whittle down the armies of the Mongols and reach them to a point where the Mongols cannot just charge. The Mongols are forced to relax, stiffen their lines, even pull back out of many parts of Russia and Europe they were occupying. The Mongols had lost for the first, the first true loss. They'd lost time and time again due to weather and themselves. But this is the first time that enemies had defeated them. And it was one of the last great battles for Genghis Khan and his Mongol Empire. The next area we enter on our great tour of the Mongol Empire is a sad one. A sad one indeed, for both the Mongol Empire and many of the liberated groups throughout Asia. This area would be Genghis Khan's burial site. Although very little is known about where it is, we have the approximate area of Kenti in Mongolia. All we know is he was buried in an unmarked grave somewhere here in Kenti. The unmarked grave was then flooded, a river made over it. These rivers all look so natural, it's impossible to tell which. This area where he would be buried was truly an area that described to him his birthplace was his ragged beginnings and the true peacefulness of him. But here, here where he was buried, was truly what he achieved. He conquered, he pillaged, he slaughtered, he raped. He did a lot of evil deeds. But he did what he wished. He did it enough to be happy. He made an empire where the rich were dead, the powerful were gone and thrown away to the dirt below him, where he would soon be resting among them, one of the powerful people. His death was necessary. It was needed eventually. 
Very little is known about how he died. Some people say he died during the attack. Some people merely said he fell off his horse. Genghis Khan was getting quite old for the time. But what we need to look back on, what we can truly look back on from the area of his burial, was the peaceful grasslands and springs and the distant mountains in the distance, showing he had achieved peace enough. He had achieved unity enough. He achieved his equality, the pay for all. He achieved what he wished families to be raised in better societies, for the men to not go around raping all the women, but the men to go and make families with the women. He truly achieved his dream of stopping another family, another boy, from living the life that he had, the rough life of starving, the life of having to kill a sibling, having to kill everyone he loved, except for his love, and his 3,000 wives, most of which weren't actually wives. But so it is with a great ruler. There's always an end, an end to a new beginning, a new beginning that would pronounce the fall of the empire. The last place we go on this great journey of the Mongol triumphs is an area called Sarai Castle. This castle would have made Genghis Khan very upset because it is not truly a castle. It was a palace, a palace for one of his family members, a palace for the future kings and khans of the new Mongol Empire. This empire was founded by one of the brothers. There were many brothers and many siblings, all Genghis Khan's sons. They fought for power, but only one of them could truly be labeled as the successor to the Mongol Empire. And it was the kingdom called the Golden Horde. The Golden Horde in its peak stretched westwards to the farthest parts of Ukraine, east to Kazakhstan, north upwards to Moscow, and south to the Caucasus below. This truly was the successor, but it did not follow Genghis Khan's ideals. Sarai Palace was two great towers as they now stand, filled to the brim with gems, crystals, riches and goods for the leaders of the Horde. This went against Genghis Khan's ideals, and this golden horde got greedy. They were labeled as bandits, and they did not think like Genghis Khan did. They did not think in his way. 
they could not properly unite the territories they owned, and slowly, slowly ended in a collapse of their nation. Their nation lasted from 1226 to 1502, a very long time, but a sad fall. This last palace stands the final capital of what we could truly describe as the Mongol Empire. This palace stands for the death of the dreams of the great Genghis Khan, the collapse of everything he worked for, everything he did. But he knew it would come. He knew everything would have an end. He wished to make the world a better place for a while at its best. And eventually, his family got greedy. The greed spread, and these barbarians were killed, known as nothing more than the Golden Horde. They were simply barbarians to be swept away. But little did the Europeans know that this truly was the end of the Mongol Empire.